Attention all hands, this is your captain speaking, coming to you with a very special bonus episode of Where No Mom Has Gone Before, where we, the Admiral, the Commander, and I interview the wonderful Robin Curtis. A few notes before we start the actual episode, this was recorded a long time ago, as you will hear by Robin mentioning she is doing a Comic Con on Mother's Day. She meant last Mother's Day, so don't try and find tickets to it. There are none. Also, I, the captain, will take full responsibility for the audio quality of Robin. I did not check before we started to see if she was wearing headphones, so a couple times you hear the bleed over from her laptop. I hope it's not too annoying. And now, on to the episode. Crew of the USS Ryan, we have a special transfer here. You may know her as Lieutenant Savick from Star Trek The Search for Spock and Star Trek For the Voyage Home, but she was also in two episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation Gambits Part 1 and 2 as Talera, a Romulan slash Vulcan. Wasn't really sure at the end which one you were. And neither was Ladies I. Gentlemen, please welcome Robin Curtis. <laughs> good evening, good day, good afternoon. Hello, everyone. <laughs> that was great, Casey. Thank Robin, you. first, let me let me start off by saying thank you so much for doing this. I mean, I sent an email to you on a complete whim of, you know, the, the best I'll get is, oh, thanks, I don't have time, to the worst I would get was, please leave me alone. And I'm so happy that you uh, agreed to do this. Any young man who does a podcast with his mother is my guy. That's that. That's my podcast. I, I you know because my favorite thing. That's my favorite thing about Star Trek is that it's multi-generational, and I love that you do it with your mom. Yay, mom! Yeah, sort of like Elvis. It just keeps going generation <laughs> after generation after exactly. generation. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Except for you. Your daughter's not too interested in it, Casey. No, she has not shown her time. much interest in, in Star Trek at all or any kind of nerd thing. Try though I have. She uh, just doesn't want to get involved. Robin, we're going to just kind of ask you some questions, see how that goes. And if you've got anything fun at the end, we'd, we'd love to hear it. I'm going to start off with a pretty obvious one. How was the audition process for Savick? Um, was it mostly with Nimoy or how was that? Well, it's interesting you, you call that out because um, it was probably one of the gentlest and most unexpected processes that I, that I had ever encountered. Normally, you, you know, you, you go and you meet a casting director at their office and you read through the, the small scenes they're willing to share. And, and if you do that well, well, now you go to the next step and you might meet... Um, uh, I don't know if you would meet the director quite yet, but but you would you would go to the next level, and maybe there's two or three or four more people in the room, and then eventually there's thirty people in the room, and it's all very um, um, disconnected. <laughs> you know, you, you don't really feel like like you know anyone in the room, and 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 the chemistry is all about just repeating what you did the first time. So the pressure mounts. And in this case, I went over to meet Stuart Jensen and Elsa Bergeron uh, at the Paramount casting offices. And uh, I offhandedly said, because because at the time I didn't know what role I was auditioning for, you know, if I was going to be a part of Star Trek, I think I'd, I'd, I'd want to be a, an alien. And, you know, I had sort of lobbed a 
a, a, a sort of a, an offering in their laps, I suppose, I did without realizing it. And I went back. I still have my calendar from 1983. They invited me back the very next day to meet Leonard Nimoy one-on-one the next morning. Uh, I believe it was June 28th, 1983, 10-15. Wow. I met Leonard Nimoy one-on-one, and that was just about one of the coolest and easiest and kindest little little auditions I've ever had. The dude was so generous of spirit that he looked at my pitiful little resume with my upstate New York and dinner theater musical credits and my and my Ogunquit, Maine, did theater in a shoebox for one summer, theater credits. And he said, so tell me, what, what was it like playing Aldunza in Men of La Mancha? And tell me, what was it like playing Nancy and Oliver? And, and I thought, oh, Mr. Nemo, you are just, you know, you're, you're my hero right now because you're being so, so kind. I was fairly still new to L.A., guys, so I didn't have a big, you know, list of credits. And we, we, we read some scenes together. And uh, he shook my hand at the end of the meeting and he said, you know, I have no doubt you could play that role, this role. And I've never had anybody give me a vote of confidence as I'm going out the door. And he said, now it's up to the powers that be. And the thing that he did that was unusual and 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 uh, negated my need to go back again and again and repeat what, it, what, what had ever happened in that room that he liked was that he videotaped it. So... <clears throat> Yeah, so 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 my next time going back to Paramount was several weeks later to meet Harve Bennett, and then and then it was a screen test in August, um, and I and I was told this was just a formality, wow. that 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 the other two folks being brought in weren't weren't really gonna get it, but but they had to do a favor for one of Nichelle's friends, and I think it might have been a friend of Merritt's as well, something like that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it was so so so. It was really the okay. the least stressful and most gratifying process that had ever happened to me up until that point. Wow, it, it, it sounds like a, a like you say a really gentle and affirming process, and it, I would imagine that some of that must have come from the fact that Leonard Nimoy was an actor before he was a director and and had been through this process and understood. I'm just interested, having been through some processes like that before, did you let yourself believe you had it or did you not wait, You not until the ink was dry on the contract? Oh, 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 even when I had it, I didn't believe I had it. <laughs> I, 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 no, no, I mean, seriously, guys, like I was showing up for work the first, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, and I thought, oh, I'm getting a pink slip. Oh, I know I'm getting a pink slip because I just didn't feel like oh. I, like I had that, that hook into the Vulcan wryness and, 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 and the Vulcan mystique. I, 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 you know, I put myself completely in his hands and, and, and Colin, you know, you, you pointed out, you know, Leonard, Leonard stepping from in front of the camera to behind the camera. I think he was very, he was very um, sensitive and, and, and aware of, of kind of what I, what, what I was up against, but what, what he was up against, you know, kind of taking on the mantle of director and working with his friends who are network, you know, we're used to him being in that role. And I thought he, he just took a very even handed diplomatic tack and did very well managing, you know, the likes of me, um, you know, nervous and, 
first big film and all that good stuff. And then, and then uh, veterans like, like Christopher Lloyd, you know, uh, uh, Laura, you mentioned a moment ago that you wanted to know why something was pink on the set. I, I, I was obsessed with details as well. You know, when, when I would come to the set and they would put a prop in my hand, I wanted to understand what it was. And I wanted to understand why my flak jacket was so bulky and why was it so hot. And, and, um, uh, and Krug, <laughs> Uh, Christopher Lloyd didn't seem to need to understand any of that stuff. He was not a cerebral actor. He was just a visceral actor. He just he just threw his 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 whole body and voice into it, and and didn't didn't have to know how all of these things connected. And and I have a feeling he had the better approach, you know, in the end, because you can get you can get caught up in your head, you know, in a way that that, that is uh, self defeating. Actually, that's a great segue. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about uh, some of your early training. I know, if I'm correct from my research, you are a fellow graduate of the State University of New York. Yes, at Oswego. Mine was at Fredonia. Okay, um, but, but oh, what? you were at Oswego? Yeah, yeah. Oh. My wife went to Oswego. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. It, it, back in the day, back in the late 1970s, the, the theater department was quite all that and a, and, and a bag of chips. It was one of the it was one of the 50 most um, uh, technologically uh, advanced theaters in the country at the time. Uh, and, and in fact, they graduated quite a few set designers and uh, 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 sound uh, technicians for theater that are working on Broadway today. I don't know if it still has that cachet necessarily, but back back in the day, they, they, they spit out some pretty talented people. It certainly did when I was looking at, at colleges and and did consider it. It definitely had still at that point, which again is still a few years ago, but um, <laughs> it have a, a reputation for, for being um, certainly a Amongst the Sunnis, one of the strongest theater programs. So, what what sort of um, was your your background? Is you were just talking about different approaches to acting, and I know that uh, you know. Uh, you, and we were also you were also speaking about Leonard Nimoy as a director. I know his background was very grounded in Stella Adler and the Method. Was that sort of the approach you had learned at Oswego and in any work you'd done up until then, or was that a change for you? Yeah, yeah, no, good question. You know, you ask an actor about acting, and it. And and you can sort of watch them self implode uh, because it's such a it's such an ethereal thing, you know. It it it, it, it doesn't want to be it doesn't want to be managed or, or or articulated easily. But suffice it to say, my background was really in musical theater, and I learned the first time I did a straight play just how much the music was what what made me organically fill the shoes of the character uh, um people people would say i watched you walk differently as soon as the orchestra started playing i wa-, you know so 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 it was the music that moved me that drove the emotion the story and i had no intention of being a professional actress um i i loved sports when i was a kid i loved student government i loved theater. I loved the oboe. I played the oboe. Uh, you know, I played the piano. I loved Ooh, all these things. One. Yeah. Right. And, and once I got to college, I realized I couldn't explore them all. So I focused on music and, and the most, you know, when people say, what, what was the thing you liked most performing? It was really a very select, a singing ensemble that I was a part of at Oswego. Uh, only 20 students in the whole campus were in this group. I auditioned when I was a freshman. I was the only girl to get in that year. And we would do these really sophisticated 
arrangements of Broadway music of of Duke Ellington. Uh, we, we you know a lot of times your college your educational experiences at least the extracurricular stuff and and sometimes in class stuff is 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 um, it's made magical because you run into somebody who's so talented and knows how to galvanize the students to take part and 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 brings out your best talents and we had that in a guy by the name of um doc saluri um uh and uh uh and then there was another professor who was a favorite of mine <laughs> my, my wife knows doc. oh my god doc, yeah he he was he's did you know legendary. uh stan gosick um in any case did you know uh stan gosick oh god that name sounds familiar I don't know. I don't know. He did the state singers. Oh yes. Uh, that's was what he did. Yeah, that's what I did. I just I was asking my wife when he started teaching. I think he was later than than when I was there. Um, okay, Casey. Something tells me he came later. Okay. Because um, Doc Salori led the group both, when I was there. Both. But in any case, I didn't plan to pursue a professional career. But I graduated from college with a liberal arts degree and realized I wasn't qualified to do much of anything. Didn't have a teaching degree. You know, I had pretty good typing skills. But I, and, and, and one of the gals that had graduated a year ahead of me, with whom I had done some summer theater in Auburn, New York, at the Springside Inn, she'd, she'd been out already a year and waitressing in, at Phyllis Whitehouse. And she said, do you want to go to the city and see what happens? I'm like, okay. I didn't have a better, uh, you know, a better plan. So we go off to New York, and within, I'm not kidding, guys, within, well, within two weeks, I had a crackerjack little apartment at 100th and uh, Broadway, and I had a fabulous waitressing job, which I kept the whole time I lived in the city, and I jokingly would say years later that I still had people covering my shifts. It was such a good little job. <laughs> you know, all the waitresses helped each other, and when somebody got an acting job or a dancing job, we would cover her shifts. In any case, within six months, I had done... A musical, gotten an agent, and got my first national commercial for Oil of Olay. I was just lucky as hell. Like, just beyond lucky as hell. Because I wasn't ambitious. It wasn't because I thought I was too good. I didn't think I was good enough. And Phyllis would go off and sing her, you know, she would be number 282nd in a, in an, in a non-equity call. And I would be like, Phyllis, I don't know how you do it. Not only did you sign up. And you see the hundreds of people that are going to sing that day, and then you go away and you come back to do your part. But you have to hear the people ahead of you. And again, I didn't have the confidence to do that. And I learned quickly, once I did uh, sing at a particular audition, and then they put me to the next test, which was the dancing part, that I definitely wasn't cut out for Broadway. You know, my mother jokingly told me later, she said, I yanked you out of dance classes when at your first recital, you had put your arm through your armhole down your tutu and waved at the audience out your leg hole. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? And she said, yeah, you know, like you were Lucille Ball at the dance recital. So we took you out. Like, so um, I shifted quickly from musicals to just the camera and, and, and working with the camera. Not that I had a choice in it. It just seemed to be a, a, a better match for me. Uh, and that's where my agents pushed me. So I kind of accidentally backed into it, to be honest. I was going to say the thing you were talking about where you sang with the group and you did Duke Ellington and stuff. Both boys at FM High School were in Swing 16, which was that exact type of group. They both were. And that music is yep. thrilling to perform. It really is. Swing music, solid, you know, oh, yeah. big yeah. band music. Um, yeah. But, you know, really Colin, 
getting back to what you were saying, I forgive me, I got off track, but I ended up training. I learned the neighborhood playhouse method, this, this Sandy Meisner's method, which was the repetition method. Um, it oh, wasn't the, yep. the, oh my God, what's his name? The famous teacher, uh, Lee Strasberg uh, right. uh, method. They were the two schools when, 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 when I was coming of age. Um, uh, and that felt more like me because it had to, it, it was about, it was about the idea that, that the body never forgets and that, and that if you, if you can put the, the emotion in your body, it's, it's really, in other words, like, like, like a scene is, is really a matter of choreography and what you're choreographing, what, what, what you're, you know, the steps that you're trying to put into the scene are what is revealed about this character in this moment. Um, and the thing you don't want to do is play the obvious. You want to play what's being revealed here about this human being. And, and the body remembers envy. The body remembers anger. The body re- remembers resentment. And, and so if you can just put put the emotion in your body, you can play those notes in the, in, in, you know, throughout the script, so to speak. The idea is to rehearse it enough to, to, to make it organic enough and, and natural enough. Um, but that's the method that I learned with uh, the, the teachers from the neighborhood playhouse. I didn't go to the school, by the way, it's a two-year commitment. I, I studied in the evenings with one of their professors a couple of nights a week. Way back in the day, you know, who's in but, my uh, class? Yeah, that was- Tom Cruise. Hmm? He was in my class. Oh, oh. Yeah. I didn't know his background was at Meis- in Meisner. Yeah. No, that, yeah. That that I can imagine that that must have been particularly useful as you were transitioning, as you said, towards more work in the camera. That you know, Meisner is a very useful technique for that. A very useful technique for that. And as a matter of fact, the the same uh, uh, friend from college. Make good friends in school. That's what I, people always say. What do you? What would you tell a young actor? I say, you know stay in touch with the friends that, that are, that are kind of going in the same direction you are. Because one of the young ladies that I had done theater with in college, um, called me to do this little backers audition. That's the musical I referred to a moment ago that I, that I was in and got an agent from. And then weeks and weeks later, she's working at gray advertising or no, excuse me, Ted Bates advertising. And she has me in for auditions. And she says to me, would you like to see your auditions? You know, they were weeks old now, uh, but but still they had the tape. And I said, sure, because she said, I think it would help you. And I looked like sheer terror on camera because <laughs> I was doing everything so big, like I was reaching the, yeah. the back row. And so I learned right. to dial it all way down, way down. Mm. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but it was in the 80s, really, when when commercial work shifted. And it stopped being about product placement, prominent in the shot, and it was now about a mood. And in fact, sometimes you would watch a commercial and love the cinematography, and perhaps love the actors, and so on and so forth. And they were creating a mood, and you had no idea what the product was, and then it would come at the end of the commercial, or or you would see that jagged oh, camera work, yeah, you know, that handheld right. camera work. That's I did I did a lot of that well, kind of stuff in L.A. Um, back in the day when they first started doing that. A lot of fun. Like those two things, uh, being able to see your performances and dial everything back and have all the particularization, which is what how I was taught uh, at a little hole-in-the-wall school called AMDA, all that feels like it works really well for Savick because 
not to diss anyone else, you know, you and Leonard Nimoy seem to have the idea of the the canon of the characters that they have emotions, they just repress them. And a lot of people play Vulcans as no emotion. But you could see Savick's emotion there. It was just repressed. I thought that was, I think, yes, we're talking here, and I, I don't want to seem like I'm, I'm you know, uh, buttering your bread or anything like that. But you are one of the people I look at as... <laughs> the ideal performance as a Vulcan. Oh my goodness. Well, um, thank you. I, I, I am not worthy. I, I, I don't think I'm worthy, but thank you. Oh. I leaned on, I leaned on Leonard Nimoy pretty hard because I felt so lost. And I told him that the first day I said, you know, Mr. Nimoy, you seem to think I know what I'm doing. And I really don't. And so, and so we, we worked th- together in such a way guys that, that for maybe another actor, might be might be insulting, but to me it, it was you know a lifeline. Uh, uh, he would take me. He would sit me down at the edge of the soundstage, and he'd say, "Okay, let me hear it, let me hear it." And I would say the lines, and and wow. and and if I couldn't get his direction, possibly or his ideas, uh, with him just sitting in that quiet moment, he he would give me a line reading. And you just don't give actors line readings, but I was like, he knew, he knew. I, you know, I, I think right away we established a very collaborative relationship, and I made it clear to him, you cannot offend me, you cannot insult me. Uh, give me everything you've got. Help me here. You know, guide me. And he promised me he would, and he did. He really did. And I'm, you know, I'm forever grateful. But that that is a great position to be able to put yourself in with a director and and trust them enough to say. You know, I, I am going to rely on you. And and, and I, it's nice to want to get direction, to have somebody you want direction from. It's It feels good. It's that working relationship when it clicks is, is really important. It's everything. And that's the kind of relationship I had with the two, with the two commercial directors I worked for. Um, f- frequently enough that there were some of us that thought we were all, we were a part of a company, um, a repertory yeah. company, you know, w- with these two really um, esteemed uh, commercial directors back in the day, Leslie Dector and Norman Seif. And in fact, Norman was featured on 60 Minutes a, a year back back or so because he did some amazing black and white photography back in the day like, like the iconic picture of uh, Ray Charles uh, uh, Rick Norman took that photo so he was a he was no. a celebrated photographer before he became a, 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 a fabulous um, commercial director in any case um yeah no that relationship is everything and if you can trust a director and you know you know then then you become no different than clay to a sculptor honestly and that's how i saw it anyway you know i'm not one of those actors that comes with a thousand ideas up my sleeve i really do want to be molded i want to be directed i'll i'll do i'll do whatever you tell me to do i can do it but i don't know that i would think of it on my own you know what I mean? I'm willing to admit that, you know, and everybody's different. Um, but I was a Gumby, a total Gumby, <laughs> you know. Casey said we're going to do a round robin on the questions. I said, oh, really? A round robin? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one couple of things here. We know that James Doonan helped form the Vulcan language. Did he? Was, was he, he part... part- Yes. yes. Oh, oh, you, you didn't, didn't know, know that? that? No, I thought it was yes. Matt Okrand. I didn't, had no idea Jimmy Doohan was a part of it. How cool. Well, my question was, was he part of helping you learn it? 
which I would say probably not since you didn't know. <laughs> it was it, was it difficult from whoever taught you? Also, I've thought of another thing I'm going to add in here, the makeup. How long did the makeup take? Let me think. Let me think. So, so, so there was a gentleman. I apologize, Laura. I'm, I, you know, uh, it's very possible I don't know better that I'm ignorant of this. But I thought Mark Okrand, who was, I believe, a career linguist or whatever you call linguist. that, and and a, 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 had had created the the Vulcan language and the Klingon language and. And and he was there on set, uh, I, as I recall, or maybe I was given a tape of some kind. I can't remember now exactly, but we definitely had coaching to understand and so forth, and and get get, get the pronunciations right, um, which I very much appreciated, by the way, because that's one of those things uh, uh, when you get to speak of an alien language or a foreign language. I think it's just one of the things that makes it make makes the story. That much richer and more, uh, you know, provocative to the audience, and so, and and it's more fun to play as as an actor. So I really enjoyed speaking Vulcan a lot. Uh, 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 and as far as the makeup goes, oh my goodness, you wouldn't believe it because Savick's makeup is so subtle. But they would have me in at five if my call to the set was at eight. And I would spend about two hours in the makeup chair. And the makeup included the application of the ears and the eyebrows and the makeup. And then, oh, maybe 20 minutes for hair. And then and then the rest of it, just getting your costume on type of thing. So so, so most of Was that your hair or a wig? It's my hair. What they did was they cut it. They just sort of trimmed it around my ear and kind of let the curls be natural. Um, that was interesting at the... At the um, the screen test, oh, they tried a wig, they tried a green makeup, green colored skin. They tried several things, and 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 eventually just landed on going more natural um, um, with yeah. uh, Savick's appearance. Yeah. Right. I know a lot of times wigs will be used simply because they can be styled <laughs> without the actor having to sit in the chair. Right. Um, which Consistency. Is, right. But you didn't you you didn't get that. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, um, I didn't. Oh yeah. Just to sort of clarify what we were talking about before, Mom, I think what we were talking about when we had spoken about the, the first movie was that for the very small amount of Vulcan and Klingon that were used in the the motion picture, that uh James Dewan, who was a enthusiast of linguistics, had created some of it, but for the much larger amount that was going to be needed for this film, they brought in a professional linguist to expand on his, oh. the, the small amount of work he'd done, and then and then create from there. Mama, uh, and, and that part was of the story. And, and my understanding is that Mark Alcrand is sort of considered the um, the dean of hmm. the, the 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 sort of very small world of what they call conlangs, constructed languages, which includes you know now Dothraki for Game of Thrones. Um, you know, uh, well, of course, you know, so that it's he's very, um, very much considered a sort of godfather in that very tiny sub industry. Cool. That's that's I love hearing that he carries on that 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 oh, his yeah. career yeah. flourished. Well, and he has a whole parallel career as an academic linguist. I believe his expertise is in is in like Eastern European languages. I may be wrong there. Google him. Yep, that's what Google's for. <laughs> uh, it's worth a Google. Yeah. Robin, I said at the beginning, we're also on Star Trek The Next Generation. You have kind of the distinction 
of a very small group of people who got to work with two of the most iconic captains in Star Trek. Um, what, do you have any any stories about like uh, your time? You had a lot more time with um, Seward, it seemed like, in and Gambit Part One and Two. What was that like? Uh, what was the process of getting to Lara? Oh God, that that came uh, after a long, a long <laughs> haul, guys. Let's say let's let's put it that way. Well, because you know the moment the moment the next generation appeared on the, on the landscape. And I was still doing con- conventions, gratefully. Uh, you know, the, the audience just assumed, they'd say to me, when are you going to be on The Next Generation? Like like it was just a matter of me making a phone call, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, hi, I'd like to do your right. show. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, they didn't yeah. give us deferential treatment just yeah. because we'd been a part of the franchise in the past. And so on the rare occasion that I did get an audition for the show, I, I was sweating buckets, you know, hoping, I, hoping I'd get on it. And, and in fact, there was a there was a, a time when I was offered a part. I had auditioned just like everyone else, went into the rooms with no special regard like everyone else. I was offered the part and I couldn't do it. Uh, oh. and, and, and I and I no, really, because I had another job and, and, and I and I was almost going to beg to get out of the other job because it meant so much to me to sort of to go to that next step, you know, with Star Trek. Again, the fans, the fans, man, they put the pressure on. I don't know that I would have felt that had I not been having the convention experience. So when I finally auditioned for Tolera and then got the call that I had it, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I almost um, fainted with joy and, and relief because it was like, oh, God, thank the Lord they're throwing me a bone here. You know, um, so <laughs> and it was right. a juicy bone. It was a juicy bone with a lot of meat on it. Oh, yeah. you know, a two part episode. And I got to prance around with Jean-Luc Picard, Patrick Stewart, and, and I, I he intimidated the hell out of me. <laughs> he did. Oh, I thought he was awesome. He, he's one of those actors that the, the director says action and he's so convincing in this first line to the camera that you're that you're that, that you that you're, you're it's like you're you you stop acting and you're watching. And you're like, oh, oh, it's my line. Oh dear. You know, it just catches you <laughs> off guard because they're just so charismatic. They're blindingly good. And that's Patrick Stewart, I have to say. Um, uh, and 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 as a as a testament to to how good he is, we were we've been working now for a couple of weeks, and and we're shooting the end. We're shooting the end where where I believe I've I've uh, amassed the the parts to make this resonator that 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 uh, omniscient power or something like this. And Patrick's there, and the other guys come in, and 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 there's all this tension, right? And and uh, we, we shot the scene, and Patrick was was giving them, you know, very forceful, aggressive commands. You know, drop your weapons. You know, d- don't shoot or whatever. And 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 it, and he, he didn't feel good about it. And we're all watching and waiting and watching and doing another take. And and Patrick's frustrated. You can tell he's frustrated. And finally, the director said, "Why don't you just let's just take a break? And why don't you um you you know just walk off set for a minute?" And there was smoke, and it was late, and everybody's tired. But God bless Patrick because he knows he knows that that you know at some point after all the editing is done and it's on the air and the fans are going to watch it. If the story doesn't make sense. 
it sucks. You know what I mean? It just really isn't, isn't good when it doesn't have integrity. And he figured out that the way he was delivering the lines would have activated the resonator. And, and he, he was giving a command to do the very opposite thing. So he needed to, he needed to dial back his delivery and, and so on. And, and he caught himself in that. And I love that he wouldn't let it fly or go in the can, so to speak, until he got, until he knew that he'd gotten it right. And that was very cool. Because, you know, success can sort of spoil you, you know, for that kind of a detail. And I love that those guys, after, because I think that was in the sixth season. Seventh. Was it the seventh? Oh, God. They're in the home stretch, yeah. You know, in fact, I tell people that's why I, that's why I was hired to do Murder, She Wrote. They went to the actor Rolodex and they went, oh, my God, who haven't we used? Everybody's been on the show. Some people twice. Now, come on. There must be somebody that hasn't been on the show. The law and order of the 80s. Robin Curtis. We have to hire her. She hasn't been on the show. Yeah, it was the law and order of the 80s. Oh, my God. So, anyway, um, they were such a great bunch. And I just watched it again, Gambits, one and two, uh, about a month ago. And it was good. It was good. You know, I'm conflicted about how Sabbath turned out. But I liked Talera. I liked myself. We we all rewatched it. To prepare for you know, you? this discussion, and and I, mm-hmm. I probably hadn't watched it in in years either, and I, I was like, wow, this really is a gem of an episode. It's they're really, I think, because it is late in the show, they're they're kind of playing with their formula. They're doing something that's a little more of a swashbuckling space pirate adventure, and everybody's clearly having a lot of fun with that. Yeah, yeah, and it, it really, you know what I mean. And Richard Lynch was always a fabulous guest star. Uh, well, he's he was he was just one of those. Yeah, when you really needed to hate the guy. Yeah. Yeah, Richard Lynch. Right? Yeah, hired Richard oh, Lynch and, and Julie Caitlin Brown. It was fun to dish with her. Yep. I wish I could p- pull them up right now and show them. I have pictures of um. Oh, what's the group with Steve Tyler? Aerosmith. They came to the set. They they're pals of of Patrick's. And get this, guys. <laughs> I, I I almost hate to admit th- admit this, but I had no idea who they were. No idea who they were. So, but everybody's getting into pictures with them. So I got into a couple of pictures with Patrick and Steve Tyler and these dudes in the band who was so together. And Caitlin's there, you know. Anyway, and 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 and, and Steven Tyler had a T-shirt on that said "La Vie Da." <laughs> I'm sorry. That's probably not allowed in the. You you can you can beep bleep me on that, which I loved because I'm a big Eddie Hall fan. Body F and da. There you go. Anywho, it's a good, 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 good pickup. Pick we'll, we'll use that. that. Okay. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's not a connection I would have ever imagined. Patrick Stewart and and Aerosmith. Oh, you didn't know that. One, I did not know that. Oh, Laura uh, knew that. Laura and I knew that. No, no, she knew. No, she knew. I didn't know that, but he knows Patrick, so that's why I ask him. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, okay. Who's next? Casey. Oh, is this the point where we're bringing no, it up? No, oh, no we're what? not going to bring it up. Okay. Colin, it's, 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 we can bring it up. It's fine. One sub-question. Go ahead, Colin. What they're, what they're trying to say Colin is that was on Broadway with Patrick Stewart and I, Ian McKellen. He was an understudy. That's, that's all that they're trying to bring up is that I, I've also worked with Patrick Stewart. That's all. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, he is, oh. he is a, a terrific, terrific person. And I met and him, and he's so sweet. He was so yeah. sweet to me. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not yeah. surprised. And I met Ian McKellen also because he was in the play. And Ian is not a shake your hand. He's a hugger. And all I could say was, I'm being hugged by Gandalf. I'm being hugged by Gandalf. It was so cool. Oh, it was so cool. I, 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 it was um, so cool. So cool. I get it. I, I did a... a, a, a a convention, sorry, in October of 2019, you know, back when we could travel. And I spent a couple of days in London on my own before I went to Birmingham to do the convention, which was so much fun. And uh, uh, I went to see Ian McKellen's one-man show, this tour that he did for his 80th birthday, raising money, by the way, I should say, for the Actors Fund or or, or some such thing, the Actors Home. And, and guys, the play ended. It was spectacular. It was standing ovation, awesome, spectacular performance. And I have a long walk back to my Airbnb, so I go to the facilities way down in the bowels of the theater. And so I'm coming up probably at least 15 minutes or more, because there was a line, 20 minutes after the show's ended. And who is in the lobby still with a bucket Getting donations, Ian McKellen. I was wow. like, I started to uh, cry. I just said, no, "That's fantastic." You're like any one of us should be so so brilliant and so humble at the same time. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Just well, I think you were talking about it before. Just to work with with people like him or like Patrick, who, oh. despite being at the top of the profession, obviously still care about it and love it so much and love what they're doing. And 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 that it, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. You know, I, I think I was, I was sort of next, next on the question list, but what I, I really was just hoping you would speak about Leonard Moore as a director, which I feel like you really have done in a great way. So, Casey, if you wanted to. Oh, I'm next. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll oh, piggyback I'm sorry, I'm on, the, on the. Let's make sure oh, I'm we. Sorry. <laughs> uh, she's very particular <laughs> with the rules. cards, too, about who's next. She sure is. You don't want to irritate <laughs> um, the card to, to, gods. <laughs> you cannot piss off the card gods. It's fair. It's fair. Um, one more thing before we leave, like uh, Next Generation and Gambit. This is always something I've, I've wanted to ask someone who's done this. What was it like having two different directors for one continuous story? How, how, how did that even work? Oh, good gravy. They were two different directors? I thought it was one. One gentleman. Seriously. Unless IMDb lied to me. <laughs> uh, I, I will. I will. I will check. I will check the IMDb. I'm pretty. I, I, Did you I shoot think out of sequence? Did maybe you shoot? Maybe you shot all of your scenes with one director? And uh, no, usually a credited director would be. There would be different one. You know. Uh, so part one is to. Yeah. Go Peter ahead. Lordson. I'm trying to think where my copy is. I could look it up right away. Peter Lauritsen. Peter Lawrence yes, and, and Alexander Singer. Singer. Yeah, two different directors are, are credited. I'll be darned. I, guys, I don't know what that's about. I, I could swear it was one guy the whole time. Well, I do, I do think Lord. some of that might be that... Yeah, they both wear really big mustaches to hide it. I wonder if some of that comes from, from being so late in, in a series that I think, you know, one of the things that can be different about television is it is a little less of an auteur's game. You know, when you have a director coming in week after week... And yet the actors are there all, all the time and have been there for seven years. That their function and their their sense of centrality is perhaps less than on a motion picture. Uh, I, I honestly can't. I, I'm 
stupefied. I can't comment. I wish I could comment because I, yeah. because I never had the luxury of that. Do you know what I mean? Of of understanding yeah. perhaps the difference. Um, uh, yeah. I, I do remember sure. that 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 the two episodes were. I, I, I it, it seemed apparent to me in the first uh, chapter that I wasn't who I said I was. And so I went to the writers and producers and I said, would you mind, could I see the second half of the story? And they didn't have it ready yet. So, oh, wow. so I had to just kind of shoot from the hip and, and hope that I didn't but, do something inconsistent with what I say later, earlier. But they were probably glad they hired someone smart enough to see it, to sense it. <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't see it until about halfway through the second episode that I thought, ah, oh, no, she's not who they say she is. Oh, yeah. I thought you were, yeah, yeah. fool me. Even yeah. in the end, I wasn't me. who I said I was. No. No. So I don't know. A moment ago, you said, yeah, well, the, I, mean, I don't know who I was. Right. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't sure if you were Romulan or, uh, or Vulcan in the end. I don't know. Uh, I, the impression I was left with is that she's she's one of the Vulcan separatists. Yeah. But I, it is such the whole the whole story oh. is so built on triple crosses and quadruple crosses. <laughs> made, what made it a fun sure. episode? Sure. Thank you. One hundred percent. Well, my question was, which character did you enjoy playing best? And just from talking to you, it's obviously Talera. Yes, I, I think I think Laura. I was more confident, and I felt that there was more. Well, more variety in her character, and and it was a little meatier in terms of you, you know working with one character. I felt like I was working with with Patrick a great deal and sort of playing a story arc with him, and I and I liked that. I liked that a lot. Yeah, no, I didn't have so much confidence in 1983 when I shot Savick, um, and and my confidence grew the more I became familiar with Star Trek and the French the franchise and the fans and 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 I felt more comfortable, you know, in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Colin, you have a <laughs> thing here that said. Oh, I, you know, I. It, it says so, ever. That's all I know. Uh, yeah, I know. I started to <laughs> type and then forgot. But I know what I'm. I know it ever is the all the prompt I need. Did you ever? Uh, I, did, so did you ever? Do you? Yeah, right. <laughs> never have you ever. So I know that you now. Uh, and if if this if this is not something you want in the final cut, just let us know. But I know that you now work in real estate. Yeah. Uh, I have you ever have you ever just gone into a home and gone? Oh, this person's <laughs> going to recognize me. You've seen the, you've seen some paraphernalia. You've seen some memorabilia. Something that might qualify as a shrine. <laughs> have you, no. I mean, surely it, you must have. No, it's it never been just, quite that bad, Colin. But no, I no, I, I, I yes, I have stood with people, and I've thought as I as I sort of measure them up. You you just might be a fan of science fiction, and and yeah. and and but normally I don't talk about it. I really don't, and unless somebody else calls no. it out, because like maybe somebody will look at me and kind of go, I feel like I know you from somewhere, and right. I I start with college, and then and then I say I might have slept with you in the eighties, but I don't remember, <laughs> and then no, I'm kidding, <laughs> and then I say, do you like science She's not fiction? Really. <laughs> 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 and we eventually get to it. Uh, but yeah. anyway, <laughs> I just 
Yeah, I, I had to wonder if because you you see people's bookshelves, you see people's <laughs> decorations, you see inside their homes so, so much. much. Oh, must, yes. There just must be those moments you go, ah, one of us, one of us, one of my one piece. Of us. So you start you start speaking Vulcan to them. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know it's been it's been a sweet. I I have never. Uh, I guess the best word to use is whore. I've never whored my past. Um, uh, uh, in 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 my current business, but 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 no, but listen, I'm I'm changing that tune. I am changing that tune because, gosh darn it, I'm a really good agent. I'm really really good at what I do, and I care so much about people. And so I'm going to make up a card that has my professional information that the, the Department of State dic- dictates is on it on the front, and then on the back, it's going to have a picture of Savick, and it's going to say, "Let Lieutenant Savick help beam you into your next house." Because you, you don't understand, I can work with people all over the country. I can, oh, I can. Yeah. Work, if you, you know, if Laura plans on, if if you lived in, you know, Milwaukee, I could help you sell your house in Milwaukee. I can help you buy a house in in Tacoma. It doesn't matter. I can refer and then kind of be some a, a sounding board and be be somebody to help you know keep the stress level low and talk you through the humps and all that good stuff. So yeah. There you go. I'm going to do it, damn it. I have not done it. Well, I've never genius. I've never done yeah. any self-promotion in the business I'm in, and I didn't do it very well as an actress either. But I, I've decided at the it's... ripe old age of 64, I'm changing my mind. <laughs> and I'm going to do it, doggone it. <laughs> do you watch the Star Treks? And if so, what's your favorite one? Ooh, ooh. Uh, well, I have to say... I have to say, I don't watch all the Star Treks, okay? But but the one that got me the most emotional, there were two. It was it was, I believe, one of the last episodes with Picard and um oh gosh, Q, John Delancey. Wasn't it wasn't it the season end the two part season end? That, that, that was so of the finale of the season. I, I, think, I yeah. think I loved that. And I also loved um I loved the Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto cast in the first film and then the second film the one the one where the older spock speaks to the younger spock mm, um yeah. I, I thought that was beautiful yeah. storytelling i want i want movies to to touch me on the heart muscle i'm not much for the for the special effects and such so that's why i think those those two stories in particular moved me greatly deeply yeah. it gave me the kind of movie experience i'm i look for well i think that's that's something in as we've been reviewing these movies some of which you know i think we know very well some of which we haven't seen in in a lot of years uh that we've all the three of us have all come to an agreement about is that you know it's great to have the you know, get Doug Trumbull who did 2001 and do those gorgeous, gorgeous uh, shots of a spaceship that were in the first movie. But you look at, at some of the films that came in the center of the original cast, two, three, four, it, it's about a story. It's about heart. It's, it, it really congeals into being about a family. And that's, you know, it, it, do, it doesn't matter what your specs budget is. If you're telling that story. Right? Sure. Yeah. That's why, that's why I like, well, yep. but, so, Robin, before we let you go, is there ever been a question that you haven't been asked that you have as, like, a story that you've wanted to have someone ask you? Um, like, are, are there any questions that are like, why do they never ask me about this? Yes. Thank you, Colin, for putting it much more articulately than I could. I have, haven't we all kind of um, wondered if we 
who's the gentleman? Um, oh gosh, I, sh- I should be able to say his name. James, James Lipton. Is it uh, the, the Lipton? Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yes. And, and, the he, and he would, he would, he would yes. ask those <laughs> questions at the end. Did he say they were from someone French? Like, there was some, uh, yeah. Yeah. And and he would say, you know, what's your favorite curse word? And he would say, what, um, what, what will you hear when you, when you reach the, 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 you know, the gates of heaven? Um, or what will you see? I have them up if you'd like to be asked them. No, no, I don't know that I want to be, but, but, because I didn't, I didn't prepare. (laughs) It's always, it's supposed to be right off the cuff. We'll skip the curse words, but we can. No, I know. Um, I do know this. It it boggles my mind that people don't like, like if, like if I had my druthers, what would happen when I met the pearly gates? I'd want to see. Sure. I'd want to see my mother and father, you know, yeah. I'm going to cry. By the way, that was one of the best things about Star Trek. The best things about Star Trek. My father was diagnosed with cancer. Um, just what was it? Just as I was shooting the film and uh, he lived long enough to see the movie, but he died in November of 1984 and the movie came out in June of 1984. And, uh, and that and 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 that that whole experience helped us to to just distract ourselves and 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 to just be you know to to be um, buoyed just a little bit by something outside of ourselves because we were we were we were in agony absolute sure un unmitigating agony at the time and and he was only fifty four. And um, wow. and Mr. Nimoy was Gosh. particularly sensitive and mm. kind to me, and and he felt he sort of reminded me of my dad. Same same height, same same nice looks, dark hair, dark eyes. Um, anyway, yeah, I would want to see my mother and father for sure. Um, and my dad was so proud. You know, he was so happy that I that I had like achieved this little this little glimpse of success, you know, and, and that was another thing that was sweet. You know, at the time they negotiated four movies, Star Trek three, four, five, and six. And so it, it wasn't, it wasn't completely out of the question to think, Oh wow. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be all set for the next eight years. Every other year I'll do a movie with, with, with Star Trek. And then of course there was so little of me in the fourth film. Um, and then nothing at all. You know, so they never really exercised those options, but they negotiated them at the time because of losing Kirstie along the way, you know. Right. But, but, but that contract, you know, that, that was the last thing my father understood, and, and he was thinking, you know, that it, yeah. that it would um, perpetuate, you know. So in any case. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, 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 it's, That's beautiful. It must, it must have meant a lot for, for him and to be able to share that with you before the end. Oh, huge! It was huge, guys. Um, and and they and they were unusual parents in that in that they um, they cheered us all on, all three of us kids, to do whatever we wanted to do in life, you know. And and back in the day, I can remember fellow artists, friends, you know, whose parents were like just waiting for them to get, kind of wake up and get real with life and go back to school or get a real job. And my parents were never like that. They're like, "You go, girl. You 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 know what do you need?" If I called home, what 
What do you need, sweetheart? What can we give you? You know, and I wasn't spoiled, not by any means, but but they were they were just the most supportive and, and went to all our concerts, all our games. My dad was the only one in the stands at the girls' basketball games, you know, um, when I was in high school. Just really great mom and dad to um, to inspire a kid to, to, to keep trying, you know, in a very that's, tough, that's, tough field. Yeah, I mean, that's great. And I would be remiss if I would not take this moment to say it's not so unusual that uh, that our mom does not fit that uh, and and father does not fit that same. One hundred percent. Great, we're both, so sure. blessed. One hundred percent. And neither Casey and I, I think, are currently making our living as in in, in the arts, but it's still a part of our lives. It, it, it's a part of our life experience, and it, and you know, and that was never that was never not encouraged. It was it was. I mean, it was always, like you say, there at every performance, uh, for every, for every turn for, I mean, I mean, I think, I think even, even when I was, when I was acting professionally in New York, I think maybe one show that, that, that you guys Because we were in Ireland. And yeah, you were, because we you were, were traveling internationally. We were in Ireland, yeah. It ran for 10 days. <laughs> you know? wow. So it. Colin, remember that bus ride back from New York? That awful God. bus ride. What yeah, did I say? I, what did I say? I said when you when you win your first Tony, I don't <laughs> want to hear. I want to thank my director. I want I want to hear thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and if I ever had, you right. would have. The, the, uh, parents, but I'll parents used podcast. to say to me thanks, when they mom. would see me at all their performances in high school, "You come to all their plays." I said. If your ch- child plays basketball, do you go to all the games? And they go, well, yeah. I said, well, it's the same thing. There you go, Mom. Would I find you in the IMBD, Colin? Oh, me? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you, you sure. would find – you. I did a, a, a couple of uh, – I for a little while there, I, I ex- auditioned exclusively to play cops. Um, on TV shows in New York. So I did, I did an episode of Shades of Blue. I did an episode of uh, what's that? A Blue Bloods. Yeah. Um, yep. And I had I actually had a I had a pilot that was gonna was gonna be the pilot. I was gonna be recurring. You know, uh, twelve out of twenty, uh, and they didn't pick up the pilot. Oh, baby! So, but no, you. you well, know, give her your, so, Colin. Give her your your website. That is so uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but. Yeah, so you know, I and and uh, it, it it right now I'm doing other things because I've got two kids under five and yeah. And actually, the last year I've been incredibly thankful that I was no longer trying to make my living exclusively as an actor because <laughs> I've, I've actually done probably more of it in during the pandemic because I've been able to do more reading, video readings, from things from home. People go, "Are you still? Oh, yeah, sure, why not?" You know. Oh my God, that's fantastic! But, uh, yeah. Oh. So, yeah. but if you, you know, want to, if you want to hear Casey sing, go on YouTube and put in Casey J Ryan. Oh yeah, you can hear he, Casey. You can hear him. Ca- you can hear him play Jesus. He does the marvelous oh, okay. Jesus. Oh my God! I can't wait to look oh. it up. I'm serious. I get so excited about this stuff. That is so cool. You, I don't know if you were with us yet, Laura, but when I first heard Colin's voice, I'm like, oh my <laughs> lord! You must do radio. You must do something voiceover work because it's it's just dreamy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good for you. Yeah, yeah. I remember the one-man show you did of A Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. and somebody, we had a talk back afterwards, and some guy says, um, 
do you do voiceovers? You have a great voice. And Colin goes, do you know anybody that's hiring? <laughs> What's the beginning I, I of it? Are you hiring? Is that what are this you is hiring? about? <laughs> well, you know, you, you, you know, that's a funny story. And this is, I will tell one funny Patrick Stewart story, which is that Please. there was just one moment where, where Ian McCallum was talking about a play he wants to do. You know, this is, you know, at the lunch table or the break, you know, uh, we're, or probably maybe during a tech while we're waiting for, you know, the lights to be done for eight hours. And, and he's saying, oh, I, I think, you know, in the next couple of years, I really want to find a director and do. And Patrick just absolutely sincerely says, is there a part for me? Wow. <laughs> Even Patrick Stewart. That's what an actor says. Yes. Is there a is part, there from, a part me? from me? <laughs> right? You're always going, oh well, I don't know the part, hilarious. part I could do. You know, like, the actor is always looking for the part. Right? Yes, yes. Yep. Oh, boy. Yep. Uh, well, it's been it's been joyous. I have is, enjoyed this so much. Yeah, oh. this has been really fun. Thank Robin, you so much. Thank you so much, much for, for taking, for taking time. time out of your day. Yeah. Oh, good gravy. My pleasure, guys. Um, uh, I work hard. Real estate's crazy right now, but I wouldn't miss a chance to say hi and, and hang out with you guys. Sure. Hey, should I should I mention that I'm doing, um, on Mother's Day, Laura, I'm doing a, a 2 o'clock um, Eastern Time Galaxy Con with Walter uh, Koenig. Koenig. Uh, and Michelle, oh, Michelle will also participate, really? I believe, but it's essentially Walter and I and a moderator. Yeah, it's a little, it's a virtual convention. Um, so, Great. so I, I don't know if your podcast will be in, in shape before Mother's Day. Maybe not. Well, it will Casey. not. So, no, so, so Casey, let's not talk about it. Let's come out and Joe. December. Yeah, this will be December because Casey is going to edit all, do all the editing for these, and he also edits his other podcasts. So, in order to not overburden him with that and let him to do that thing, what's it called, sleep? Um, <laughs> we we're gonna we're actually going to record everything, and then he and and then it will all start airing in the fall. God bless so you. Okay, rather than going week to week, of course. We're, we're like, you know, we're going to just get it all recorded and then he can edit but what i think casey what you what might be something you could do is um reach back to robin before this does and if you have anything upcoming you want us to drop in we can drop in almost like we're brothers and i had the exact same thought Yeah, great minds think alike. We should really look into getting a pair of those. You're so sweet. <laughs> and they fought like dogs and cats when they were younger. Aww. Brothers. It's and now they're like this. Brothers. It's, I think it's so, yeah, fabulous. Rob, I will definitely check in with you. In this, I think if I'm doing yeah. the math right, this one will be December. So if there's if there's anything around that time. I mean, what, Trek's hitting uh, 55 this year? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw something yeah. on the on the grocery <laughs> checkout, you know, magazine stand. I'm like, oh my god, another, right. mag- another beautiful mm. magazine with the original cast. Yeah, there's don't don't sweat it because I don't do that many things really, and this is a teeny teeny you know peapod type of convention. So I thought I would mention it, but the big ones don't need mentioning. You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> and they I don't go out that right. much. I don't go out that well, much. I, so, yeah. yeah. But thanks for the offer. I appreciate it. And if there's anything, anything else I can do for you guys, don't hesitate to reach Very out. Very kind. 
Um, oh, that's so kind. Robin, thank, before, you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so, so much. much. I wish Very you kind. success and, um, and, and, and Robin, prosperity. Robin, before, before we go, sure. So, Robin, and then Robin, we can, uh, again, thank you so much great. for coming on and, and speaking with us and giving us such amazing stories. Um, this is an yeah. absolute pleasure, and I, I am truly thankful to, to make the time for this. The pleasure was all mine, Casey and and Colin and Laura. Uh, you're a fabulous trio, and uh, I, I wish you I wish you continued good health during these crazy times. And and uh, I look forward to crossing your paths uh, thank again. You. you too. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you.